Good morning. After they prayed, the place that they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And that's from Acts 4.31. Um, if you have a child that was in my Sunday school class this morning, I fed them a copious amount of cookies, just a lot of cookies. If they're a little jittery, sorry. But we blessed them before they ate them, so I'm sure they were full of nutrition and not just sugar. Yeah, that's not how transubstantiation works, I know. I just thought I'd give it a shot. All right. Um, anyhow, we are in Acts chapter 4. Um, we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 31 today. And it's titled in my Bible, Believers Pray. All right, and just to recap, we know that a man was healed in the temple, well, outside the temple, because he was crippled. He wouldn't have been allowed in the temple before his healing. Peter and John were the instruments God used to deliver his healing. They were immediately called in before the Sanhedrin because they were preaching about Jesus, in whose name they had just healed this man. So the Sanhedrin calls them in and cannot deny that this person was healed. And they're nervous about causing a ruckus because people have seen this miraculous thing happen. So they just warn them, don't talk about Jesus anymore, and they send them off. And that's where we pick up here in verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The king of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against the anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their own possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all, excuse me, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the disciples' feet. So I would like to look at a few things in this short section of Scripture. 
And I am aware many other churches, they use one verse every Sunday. They just pick a verse, and that's what they use, and God bless them. Because honestly, you could probably teach a hundred sermons out of one verse, and they would all be different. So I'm not speaking against that. I just don't know how anyone can do it. When you read a section of scripture, and it's it's hard for me to cut it down into three paragraphs. But then again, I've already admitted I've kind of thrown out public speaking as a discipline because I'm supposed to pick three points, I'm supposed to hammer them home. Amen, shalom, and let's go home, as, as Jan Ash has said before. Um, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't know that I'm capable of doing that. I've planned that on more than one occasion and it never works out. Today is one of those days where I planned three talking points. Let's see if I can do it. It's like a little contest with myself. I'm gonna go ahead and admit, I can't do it, but I'm gonna try. The first thing that I think we should look at in this section of scripture is the first thing they do when they're let go is they go back to their own people, their own believers, and they say exactly what happened. They are testifying to what has happened. Is this a good thing that's happened? Kind of. Is it a bad thing that's happened? Kind of. It's lifey. It's just like life. There's a good side. There's a bad side. The good side is someone was healed and people are believing and there's a lot more believers now. That's the good side. The bad side is the powers that be, the people that are the leaders have said, don't talk about Jesus anymore. So this is kind of a mixed blessing moment. You may not have read it that way before, but allow me to just talk about life. Usually when something exciting happens and someone gets mad, it's a mixed feeling, isn't it? So what's the first thing they do? They go to scripture, even though it was probably in their minds, they're praying, quoting from the Psalms. So they're praying together, which is a really cool practice. They're praying communally for the same thing, one heart and mind. And they're consulting scripture. They're saying, all right, our father David wrote this in the Psalms. We knew this was coming. In verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You notice they don't pray to change the mind of the leaders. I find that intriguing. They don't pray to necessarily change the mind of the leaders. What they pray for is great boldness because we're about to make some people mad. I am praying for great boldness because they're going against the system. They're going against the grain here. And whereas I'm sure that they prayed for their leaders, because we read later in scripture that they're praying for their leaders. And you see that a lot of the religious and church leaders do convert. They actually do start following Jesus, but they don't pray that their road would be easy. They pray to be equipped for the road they're on. How often do we do that? I'm not sure that we do that as often as is appropriate, actually. Life is going to be hard, and it doesn't matter who you are. When you're five years old in the sandbox, life is hard. When you're 80 years old, sitting with your friends, life is still hard. It gets a little more complicated and rewarding and full on one end of that spectrum. 
But honestly, if you think back on your life, you probably had just about the same stress level your entire life. Whether it was because you had to play in the bad side of the sandbox, you didn't get the swing you wanted or whatever else, or something far more serious. Because kids don't live in a vacuum, they see serious. So whether it was something like that to now when you're dealing with mistakes, they might not even be your mistakes. Life has just about the same amount of stress. And maybe we shouldn't always be praying for comfort, but we should be praying for us to grow, to meet the road beneath our feet. Because it's going to be challenging no matter who you are. Does anybody remember the after school movie, uh, Bubble Boy? The kid whose parents kept him in like a her hermetically sealed ball so that he couldn't get sick. And he was just tragically lonely and socially inept. He was in the perfect environment to be healthy, but his life was meaningless. It's all this junk that we're bombarded with and all this personal growth that makes our lives really full. Maybe we shouldn't be praying to change that part. At least not all the time. I don't think there's anything wrong or sinful about praying for an easier journey. I don't think that's wrong. I think it's a good practice, actually. God knows your heart already. But maybe we should be praying to be better equipped. But I just found that really encouraging when I looked at this, that that's what they pray for immediately, is give me boldness. I pray that you would do signs and wonders and that we would be bold just to speak what we know is true. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They had a renewed filling of the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Speaking the word of God boldly is easier to do behind a pulpit than it is at the gas station. Rob can back me up on that, I'm sure. When you're in preacher mode, it's easy to speak the word of God. When you're in, I'm mowing my lawn mode, it's not as easy to speak the word of God. And I don't know why our human brains do that. That's something we should all be praying for daily is boldness. Not conf confrontationalness, if that's a word. Not over-aggressiveness. Not praying to be harsh, but praying to be bold. And do we believe, and I already know the answer to this on paper. I have the confession of faith and a Mennonite perspective as well. Do we believe the Holy Spirit is able to guide us and move us and fill us? You can give me some sort of motion. Pretend you're at a silent auction. How many of you would bid on that? That the Holy Spirit is still living and moving and active in our lives. You want to give me a little, little sign, something, a little motion, hand, hallelujah, something? Thank you. We believe this. That same Holy Spirit is alive and moving and working. I am skeptical, skeptical about miracles sometimes, and I've seen them. So I don't necessarily want to pray that God always is doing signs and wonders through me. I have a pride issue. I'm human. What I want is I want that boldness. I want that communion with the Holy Spirit. I want to be ever filled with the Holy Spirit. When I wake up in the morning, I want to just be like, 
it's a day, but God, it belongs to you. Let's go. Because I'm not going to ever wake up and be like, here we are. I'm going to wake up and go, where's the coffee? It's how I wake up. But I want to even in that space in my mind, while I'm still like trudging through the joint pain and the uh, why did I do that to myself when I was 20-ness of mornings, I want to be thinking about it's a day, but it's your day, God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself, which Jesus added, it's from Leviticus. I was quoting Deuteronomy, then I went to Leviticus, but Jesus said them in tandem. Oh my, I keep slapping this microphone. I don't hate the microphone. I may not need the microphone, though. I kind of project. But whatever. Um, Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. And we know what a challenge that is. To be one in heart and mind. For example, fair season is fast approaching. I love going and working at the fair stand. I love it. In fact, that's where Marcia ever asked me at random, I thought, would you ever want to preach sometime? To which I honestly said, I think so. Now, you can blame me on Marcia partially. She got that ball rolling, but that happened at the fair stand. I got to know several people in this church at the fair stand because I was a little scared of you when I showed up. Y'all are Mennonites. Conjures up images of straight coats and... And I don't know, Bible thumping. It does. If you're not Mennonite, that's not the images you people get. You've known Mennonites your whole life. I love being Mennonite, but took me a minute. I'll be honest with you. But I got to know a lot of the people in this church through the fair stand. I've also noticed anytime you have money involved or a lot of decisions, there can be conflict involved in that. And it's hard for me to imagine sometimes, like, we have such difficulty with minor things. So meat canning's probably the same way. Any committee, gospel concert, whatever you're on, there's probably some friction there because there's decisions and there's money and money. Ew. If you want to see something make the work of God more complicated, just money. But money's a necessary evil, is it not? It's not evil within itself. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money itself isn't evil. We've done some good things through these projects. I don't want to stop doing them. I'm not preaching against them. I'm just saying it's hard to imagine, though, even with these wonderful group of people, and I love you so much, we can still argue and not be in one mind on those little moments. So when I read this about the believers all being in one heart and mind, How do we get there? That's a real question. I want you all to pray about that, and I will too. How do we get there? I want to keep doing these beautiful things that we do because they're worth it. You have no idea how many people talk to me about that pie stand. I get more comments about the pie stand than probably anything else we do as a church because it's out in the community, and people can sit, and they can visit, and they can have 27 different kinds of pie or whatever else. They love it. I love that we do it. 
is so cool. It's so cool. We get to be a part of that. Now, my question is, how do we get to do these wonderful things? Keep doing them. So cool. Can we be more in one heart and mind about it? Is that possible? And how do we get there? That was just an example. We could look at any area of our church, whether it's church council, business meetings, whatever. How do we get more in one heart and mind? We're not going to agree on everything. That's just factual. We are not going to agree on everything. And I did a sermon a little while ago about how I think that means trying to do the will of Jesus. If we are all striving to love and do the will of Jesus, we can have disagreements, but there's a bigger truth that we're working on here. So how do we get to that, to the point where the rest of it becomes detail? And that reminds me of a Sunday school song, as most biblical truths do. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Some of you are looking at me like I should have not done that, but that's okay. Most biblical truths have a Sunday school song that go along with them. Prove me wrong. You can't. I'm still curious about the theological correctness of Magic Penny, but it's a cute song. Um, anyhow, that was an aside. Hopefully that didn't just cost you anything. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Look at that. Prayers answered. They continued to testify about the Lord Jesus. In spite of the fact that some people are really unhappy. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. You notice that it's God's grace is so mightily at work in them that the people with them aren't needy. Kind of separate those sometimes. God's grace in these people's lives is causing them to be radically generous with one another. It is hard to be radically generous with people that you know because you know their decisions, right? You know that they extended themselves financially to get a new truck and they're having a hard time putting a new roof on their house. You know things like that. It becomes harder to be radically generous. I'm not sure why. Because if God has called me to do something, if God has called you to be generous with someone, I'm not saying to be foolish, but to be generous with somebody, we put the limitations on that. God didn't seem to put the limitations on that. We do it. Well, I'm not sure if they're going to, I'm not sure if they're going to do the right thing. Really. I'm just going to throw this out as an example, but I'm pretty sure God knew we weren't going to do the right thing when he sent his son to die for us. What's a couple of bucks? What's a couple of hours? You might be blessed. If you ever made an investment in someone and they completely went the wrong way, what they do honestly becomes very little of your business once you do what God tells you to do. Leave it to God. I'm not saying to like 
overextend your, your credit to help people that are ungracious, there is obviously a balance between good stewardship and generosity. It's a line we all got to figure out. But if you look at the book of Acts, the new church is radically generous. And they're very bold. And they pray communally. Those were actually the three points I was trying to get at this morning to some level of success, maybe. They pray communally. That is an awkward thing to do sometimes. And I know that it's important for us to pray in private as well, because that's how Jesus taught us to pray. But you notice the example from the early church that they get together and they worship and they pray together. They encourage one another, and they're radically generous. They prayed for boldness. How many of you have ever prayed for boldness? Oh, more than that. Come on. There you are. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's not something we often think to pray for. And I, I joke with Don all the time. The most common prayer in my house is, Lord, where are my keys? Honestly, I pray that like every day, sometimes twice. You think I'd know where they are by now? No, I'm a mess. Okay? There's nothing wrong with praying for God's help. God wants us to bring our concerns to him, no matter how futile and tiny and silly and how much we think we can shoulder it. God still wants us to bring our requests. But are we praying for boldness? Are we praying to have enough backbone? Are we praying, and I always make the joke, don't pray for patience because God will teach you patience. How about we pray for patience with one another? Because we're not going to always agree, but we serve the same Lord. And in that, if we can agree, everything else should be secondary. Everything else should be secondary. Do we serve the same Lord? It is, is it your desire to serve Christ wholeheartedly? Well, that's my desire. And now let's struggle through this. Like the name Israel, it, it, well, it tells us. One who strives with God, one who wrestles with God. You don't have a Stepford wife God. This is hard. God is going to ask you things. God is going to require things of you that you really have to wrestle through. And we need to be patient with one another and hold each other up and pray with and for each other. And be okay when we don't agree. Can we love Jesus and each other enough in that order? Because loving Jesus will help us to love each other enough that we can just be in one heart and mind about Jesus. And then we can have our futile little disagreements, which honestly don't matter. They matter now. They do. Your stress is real. I'm not trying to be condescending. But in eternity, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a bit. It doesn't matter if we have 400 people here or 40 people. It doesn't matter if we need to do another extension over the next 20 years, because I think that's how long a building project takes at Valley View. That wasn't a dig. It's just true. Mennonites are fun, and I love it, because you don't make decisions by yourself. First, you have to decide on it, forget about it, decide on it again, talk about it, and possibly decide on it again once it's been worked through. We don't do a lot of stuff by accident. And it's okay. Have you seen a prettier fellowship hall in this community, though? Might have been worth 20 years. 
I don't know. The community seems to like it. But at some point, people got together. And I would invite us all to try to get together, if on nothing else, on our love of Jesus Christ and our love for one another and understanding that we're not all in the same place. Some of you have been Christians for pushing 70 years, maybe longer. Some of you have been Christians pushing on 70 days. Some of you might not be Christians. You might be seeing what we're all about. We need to be patient with where people are at and just love Jesus and love them and be radically generous and be bold. And that's really what I have today. If you can do so without pain, would you please stand with me? Father God, I thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. I thank you for all of these people at the church. I thank you for everything they bring to the table, Lord, all the gifts and the talents, all the desires they have, all of these special talents, the years of service they've put in, in different areas. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that you would bless them for their efforts. Father God, I pray that you would help us to shape our hearts and our minds that all of this would be for your glory and out of love for you. I pray that you would help us to love one another because we loved you. Again, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. At this time, we'll be doing announcements, prayer, and sharing, which will be led by Albert Brenner. As he's walking up, I just need to announce that youth is tomorrow night at 730 